Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This time from Pastor Nick Scott. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Father, we thank you for this, the holiest of days, for those who are followers of Jesus. And yet, Lord, for even those who've followed you for a long time, we would confess that we struggle to fully comprehend the mystery of the cross, to fully comprehend the price that was paid for humanity's fallenness and brokenness. But today, Lord, we come with uh, thankful hearts, hearts that are turned towards you, hearts of faith. We pray, Lord, that as we spend some time around your table this morning, focus on these elements set before us of the bread and the cup. Lord, would you remind us of these things that are dear to our hearts and these things that are indeed important for the whole of humanity. Speak to us about these things, Lord, and draw near to us. Commune with us, Lord, we pray, as we turn our focus to the cross. Be with us, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to you all. And uh, let me add my welcome to that that's already been offered for our Easter services. Our Easter focus this year is love. And uh, more specifically, love broken for Good Friday and uh, love restored for Easter Sunday. I was chatting a week or two ago with a lady in her 90s who began to talk with great fondness about her husband, who it turned out had passed away just a couple of years previously. And as we talked, I said at one point, so how long were you two married? And without skipping a beat, she said, 66 years, one month and four days. I don't know, that's a very specific response. But as we chatted more, it quickly became apparent that every one of those years and every one of those months and every one of those days was cherished by her. She said to me, when we got married, my husband told me that he would always love me. And he did. He always loved me. For all of those years, all of those months and all of those days, he always loved me. And she said, that word always actually is engraved on the inside of my wedding ring and the inside of my engagement ring. Always. I found it a very heartwarming conversation, actually. Around the same time, I had another conversation with a friend of mine who told me about how he'd uh, recently been in a cafe and he said he was chatting with a young lass behind the counter as he ordered coffees for he and his wife. And uh, he said to her, well, you know, after 48 wonderful years of marriage, I should know what kind of coffee my wife likes to drink. And uh, this young lady looked at him intently and she said, wow, I really hope that I find love like that. It's another heartwarming conversation, another conversation about uh, an always relationship. And the sad reality is that for me, uh, conversations of that nature are increasingly rare. You know, stories of long-term, happy, vibrant marriages are increasingly replaced by the kinds of sentiments expressed in our earlier clip 
You remember the clip, love in my world? It's pretty messed up. It's characterised by broken promises. It's a love that doesn't deliver, we heard. Love in my world is marked by pain and abuse, unfaithfulness, failure. It's a love that is broken. And many of us can relate to those kinds of sentiments, either in our own experience or in the experience of those around us. And yet even in our brokenness, there's a yearning deep within all of us for something more. What we all want is to be loved and to know that we're loved. A study was done in the, on the, uh, the major themes of US chart-topping songs over a 50-year period from 1960 to 2010. And maybe it's not surprising that by far the dominant theme of these songs, with a ranking of around 70% of these songs, was the theme of love and relationships over this whole 50-year period. Love and relationships. And you and I know that many, many of those songs are about broken relationships. They're all about breaking up. That's what we sing about. What we all want is to be loved, but the problem we all have is that we are all broken. And the songs of our culture reflect that reality. What we do get to choose is the way we respond to our own brokenness. And let me suggest just two responses that are not going to work. And one is to mask our brokenness. It's a response that's motivated by shame. One of the futile strategies we tend to adopt is trying to eliminate things in life that hurt. We try and get rid of emotional and relational pain by numbing the nerve ends. We do this with alcohol, we do it with drugs, we do it with retail therapy, other addictions, attempts, all of them to mask our brokenness. We try to get rid of insecurity by eliminating risk. That relationship caused me pain. So I'm not going to do that again. Remember the guy in the clip? We build up walls. I build up walls around me to protect myself. I'm not going to risk that again. I'm not going to expose myself to that kind of risk. We try to get rid of the disappointment by depersonalizing our relationships by replacing long-term love commitment with empty sexual encounters and pornography. And then we try and relieve the boredom of life with yet another holiday or yet another home improvement or yet another entertainment channel or yet another project in the hope that these things might bring us some kind of meaning in life, but they don't. It doesn't work because we're just masking our brokenness. A second response that doesn't work is this futile strategy of celebrating our brokenness. It's a response motivated by pride. Interestingly, the top rating show of 2018 in Australia was a show called Married at First Sight. Personally, I'd rather have a root canal than watch this program, just quietly. (laughs) But this show is a celebration of brokenness. A social experiment, it's called. A social experiment, actually, that makes a mockery of the beautiful marriage relationship that God's created and turns it into a twisted form of entertainment for two million Australians every week. The second top-rating show of last year is a show that used to be about cooking, (laughs) once upon a time. But it seems to me 
that its producers discovered that it would gain more viewers if they focused on the backbiting and jealousy and broken relational dysfunction of its competitors. They were right. 1.8 million Australian viewers view and tune into that show every week. It's another celebration of brokenness. In describing the whole American entertainment industry, Eugene Peterson says this, I love this quote. He says, society is a bored, gluttonous king employing a court jester to divert it after an overindulgent meal. What is wrong with us? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with us. We're broken. Every single one of us. We're broken. We're internally broken. The Bible teaches us about the fact that we're broken by the power of sin that is at work within each and every one of us. And we can try as hard as we like to mask that brokenness with things that will anaesthetise or cover the pain, but it's not going to work. We can take the broken version of love that's messed up and doesn't deliver and wear it as some kind of a badge of honour, normalising it, celebrating it, redefining love, redefining marriage as a celebration of brokenness. That's not going to work either. But the good news is that God has more for us than that. The good news for you this morning is that God has more for you than that broken version of love that our society presents. And Easter presents us with a solution to this brokenness. And so a third response is the response that God would have us make, and that is to acknowledge our own brokenness and actually to turn to him for help. It's a response of faith. In the book of Genesis, if you read through the first 12 chapters of Genesis, as the biblical story unfolds, we see the response of shame in the Garden of Eden. You know the story, Adam and Eve, they'd done the wrong thing. As a consequence, they experienced shame, and for the first time since their creation, they hid from God. By the way, people have been hiding from God ever since. A few chapters later, we see the response of pride, In the building of the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11 is the story, if you want to look it up, let's build ourselves a city, say the people. Let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. It's a response of pride. It's a response that says, we don't need God. God, we don't need you anymore. If you're even there, we don't need you. Actually, this is the response that most Australians have come to. This is their conclusion. This is our conclusion as a nation. We don't need you, God, if you're even there. We can sort this out ourselves, a response of pride. The very next chapter, chapter 12, is about a man named Abraham who had a very different response. Not of shame, not of pride, but a response of faith. Well, it turns out that's the response that God was looking for. Turns out that's the response he continues to look for today. A response that leads us from a love that is broken to a love that is restored, which we'll focus more on on Easter Sunday. But God's plan to bring about that restoration is the perhaps surprising plan of the cross. And as we consider the Good Friday story, the events surrounding the cross, you know, to the casual observer, It seems as though everything went horribly wrong for Jesus. 
during that week leading up to the cross. Everything went horribly wrong. God's plans were thwarted. But you know, apparent defeat was actually the climactic point of God's plan. Everything that took place was exactly in line with God's plan. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. The crown of thorns was a horrific symbol of shame and humiliation. And those soldiers twisted that thorny crown and placed it on Jesus' head to mock him as they pretended to bow down before him and spit on him and beat him with sticks. What a horrendous, contemptuous act of pride. Little did they know that the heavenly realms were preparing for Jesus to be crowned with glory as the King of Kings. And so the events of the cross, we understand, are events through which that which is broken is restored. That which is sick is healed. That which is dead is brought to life. That which is old and worn out is somehow made new. At the cross, you know, the wheels hadn't fallen off God's plan. The very opposite, in fact, the wheels were being put back on. So the cross actually is the starting point of a process of all things being made new, which one day we will see. But for now, the cross remains as the key symbol of our faith, and today the crown of thorns set before us in this very dramatic reminder of the pain that Jesus endured for each one of us, this idea that he paid the cost that we might be set free. And so as we move to a time of sharing together in the elements of the bread and the cup set before us, there's an opportunity for you to respond with a simple step of faith. And if you're um, not at that place and you've just come today because you're just supporting your mum or your granddad or somebody else and you're not in that place of faith, then um, yeah, we're just glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming if that's you. But if you are at that place, even for the very first time, the Lord himself actually invites you to come to his table and to offer to God, not to anyone around you, not to impress your mum or your granddad, but to come to God, actually. The Lord himself invites you to come and to acknowledge your own brokenness and to ask God for his forgiveness and for his help. It's a step of faith. It's as simple as that. So come in a moment, take the bread and take the cup. You can return to your seat and eat the bread. And in a few moments, I'll invite you to stand and we'll drink the cup together. But on the night that Jesus was betrayed, after he'd given thanks, sharing a meal with his disciples, he took a loaf of bread. And he did something that they were probably surprised at and probably didn't fully understand at the time. But he broke the bread to share it with them. He said to them, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. My body that is given for you to eat this together. And as you eat it, remember me. Remember me. And then after the meal, as they continued on with the meal, he took a cup, a glass of wine, he said to them, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. So drink it together and as you drink it, remember me. 
Remember me. Remember the sacrifice that I'm about to make. Remember the outpouring of my blood, my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. What must they have been thinking? We've got the benefit of being on the other side of the cross and yet these things are difficult for us to understand. And yet the Lord invites us, even today as he's present with us by the power of his Holy Spirit, we believe, many of us know that as a reality. He's with us, he's always with us. He invites us to come and to participate in a meal with him and to share with him and to remember, not just to remember, but to celebrate the reality, to proclaim his death, to proclaim his resurrection together. So as you would like to, uh, as you're ready, as the music plays, I invite you to come now and uh, take a piece of bread, take a cup, return to your seats, and uh, you can eat the bread, and in a moment we'll invite you to drink together. Thank you. So on that first Good Friday, we know we understand Jesus was crucified. He died. He went to the grave. We know the rest of the story. Come Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, the grave couldn't hold him. And he returned, and actually, uh, before he ascended to the Father, he appeared to his disciples, he appeared to many people, actually, sometimes hundreds at a time, the many different groups that he appeared to. Uh, there are testimonies about that in the Scripture. In the Gospel of Matthew, one of the last recorded things he said to his disciples was, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age surely I am with you always God invites us into an always relationship he invites us into an always covenant the Bible is very clear that whether you acknowledge him or not God has always loved you since before you were created He's always loved you. He loves you. Says Jeremiah 31, he loves you with an everlasting love. Always. Let's drink together in his name. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 93291777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.